Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I do want to go to the Garage Door Guru text line. You can text us at 704-570-9610-9610. We'll get to a couple of these other text messages that did come in. Rick and Cornelius said $360 for a sneaker. Five exclamation points. Drug test now. No way, 360. Well, and obviously, he doesn't understand the sneaker coach and where we are today. So, he's... <laughs> You know, in the uninitiated. No shot to him, but he just doesn't understand what. No, at 360 is a lot. Or no doubt. And it also isn't as bad as I thought. Especially from a shoe connoisseur. the weed. (laughs) I don't even know we have some of these. Yeah, that I am. It is a a, a bad habit. Well, I'm not even going to say bad habit. It's just a habit, man. I can't can't stop it. But I myself am starting to get on the weed. That is the Jordan Shoe Collection. At least now have my first step into getting on board a little bit more so. And big shout to Ron the Plumber, man. Riding in. Being father of the year, he said, my spoiled son has eggplant foam posits and a pair of off-white shoes, I guess. Again, I am a plumber, my wife said, but he really liked them. I don't know how the rest of that text came in, but my takeaway from this is that his kids really wanted shoes and that he decided to put down the money and got them. So there you go. 704-5709. Off-white shoe, that's... That's big boy talker. Is it really? Oh yeah, you. I, I went I mean, when I, I went to uh, Stadium Goods in Brooklyn when I was up there for the tournament because I wanted to go there because Complex shoots a lot of the ones they do with the celebrities there. Uh-huh. So I go in there. They don't have the price on the shoes. You have to scan it. I go in there. They, you walk in there like, oh, it's twenty percent off today. My eyes light up. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a big boutique guy, but I might get something. Man, I grabbed a pair of off-white uh, blazers because uh-huh. I love blazers. The off-white ones are so fire. Well, he just wrote in again. He said, shoot, my son can sell his off-white shoes for seven fifty. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, when I went in there, yeah, I grabbed them, and I told the dude to price check them for me. And then when I looked at them, I mean, they were like $1,500. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... My agent was like... That's tough. I he was like, rent. what do you... Yeah, he was like, what do you... He's like, what do you guys do with these shoes? Like when you uh, get them, and he was like, why are they so much? And then so I tried. I, <laughs> all right, so so the last the last of the text messages from Ron the plumber. He said, no, I was not told how much they were until after the fact. And so yes, I still give him credit, but that's gotta hurt. <laughs> but how much did he pay for them? If he could fetch that, how much did he pay for them? That's what I want to know. I did not. I did not get that information. But he does have the text line that he can give us that information. And then you can also text us about the Carolina Panthers a little bit more. So I did want to reintroduce the fact that Kellen Moore, really 15 minutes before we started the show, Kellen Moore was hired to be the next offensive coordinator for the LA Chargers. And it was really not even 24 hours that he did not have a job. The Dallas Cowboys had let go of Kellen Moore. And they decided to do this at this point in the offseason because apparently they did not want to fire Kellen Moore and that would just completely capsize the opportunity for him to get the head coaching job with Carolina. So they didn't want to fire someone that the Panthers were looking at because it would be weird, I guess, the Panthers hire somebody that didn't do a quote-unquote good enough job with the Dallas Cowboys offense. So now he goes and he gets to work with Justin Herbert, gets to work with Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, even you know some other really good tap Mike Williams, some talented guys over there with that Chargers job. 
Are you disappointed at all if you're a Carolina Panther fan that you don't get Kellen Moore and he's not going to be the OC alongside Frank Reich? Both of these guys kind of look like they were one and two on the coaching desire list of David Tepper. I mean, if you are what your statistics say you are, I mean, when you look at his stats, when you look at what he's done with the Cowboys offense, we've talked about it several times. But when you look at his offenses and points and yards, I mean, 2019, he had a top six offense as far as points, number one in yards. 2021, he was first in yards, first in points. This past season, he was 11th in yards, four in points. So if you are indeed that, that's your pedigree, that's what you do, create offenses that are top 10 to top five, then of course you have to be disappointed by that. I mean, you want a guy that is a constructor of offenses that are going to be potent, and his track record has shown that. Now, in the playoffs, you know, I'm sure Fitty will attest to this, is it something that you feel like that his numbers have stood up to when the money was on the table, so to speak? Then maybe not. But just as far as a guy who can construct really good offenses, of course, you may be a little disappointed. And Smitty from the city wrote in, but didn't we hire a dude that got fired anyways? An offensive dude that got fired because his offense sucked. And so, yes, I guess that did happen. I don't know if they it wasn't certainly bang, bang immediately after one another. Right. Frank Reich, we knew what it was. And plus. You do have a better quarterback if you're Kellen Moore with Dak Prescott than you did for quite a while if you're Frank Reich up in Indianapolis. Prescott is better than Carson Wentz. He's better than Matt Ryan, the shell of himself, Matt Ryan. He's better than Sam Ellinger. And so I think that's probably a part of the reason as to why you're okay with Reich. But let me go just rapid fire around the room, and then we can ask a a second variation of this question. Would you rather have Reich or Kellen Moore calling the plays for this team? Who would you rather have, Wes? Between those two. So would I have Frank, rather have Frank Reich solely calling the plays or Frank or Reich in conjunction with Kellen Moore or no. just Kellen Moore? I'm asking Kellen Moore or Frank Reich, who would you rather have as your play caller? Even though, yes, the opportunity is no longer there, but would you have rather had Kellen Moore come aboard the staff and then call plays? Or do you like Frank Reich and the idea of him just being head coach and play caller? Which one? Reich or Moore calling plays? Well, based off my theory and what I said I like, I would go Kellen Moore. What about you, Fitty? You'd rather have Wright calling it based off of your Cowboy fandom. Yeah, just because I, I've seen that guy as a play caller in the National Football League. I trust him, even with all the things he has to manage as a head coach, to make in-game adjustments. That's the biggest problem Kellen Moore had as a play caller, was that he could never really figure out how to adjust to what a team was doing to take away, whether it was you know Zeke or CeeDee Lamb or whoever, because he learned his play calling, I guess, skills with quotations around it, from Jason Garrett, the only guy that dude could ever adapt to was when to smile on camera for W or for uh, NBC. <laughs> yes, that's all it was. And so now with Kellen Moore no longer a possibility, it looks like maybe some of the members of the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff could be out there. So after the Eagles Super Bowl run is over, Kevin Petula, the passing game coordinator, or Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach, they both could be steals from Frank Reich. Going back to the well, because Nick Sirianni comes from the Frank Reich system. He was with the Colts organization before he got that job to go back to Philadelphia, right? So then you have Shane Steichen directly under Sirianni. He was a head coaching candidate, but reportedly the interview didn't go well. And so now do you just go with a couple of other pieces from that same system and maybe they can be a play caller or they are just going to work in conjunction 
with Frank Reich, and they are going to run the offense together. I do think those have to be the most popular candidates as of now, right? It's going to have to be, I would think, the leaders in the clubhouse for OC, because you're going to hire somebody else to be an offensive play caller slash assistant. I would think the leaders in the clubhouse are going to be anybody from the Philadelphia system. I would say so, too. Everybody wants a piece of success. There's no more successful team besides the Kansas City Chiefs right now than the Philadelphia Eagles. So I would imagine that the Panthers would want uh, some guys off of that staff because, again, the Eagles have been so successful. Offensively, they're potent. So why wouldn't you? Yeah, I would say that as well. And I would be happy about all of that if that were to take place. Now, you do have Frank Reich. And we talked with Jay Query about this on Friday, who hosts a show up there with the fan in Indianapolis. And he talked about Frank Reich's system when you were asking some of the questions about the scheme that he is going to bring to this Carolina offense. Let's hear from Jay Query once again, talking about that creativity. If the Panthers can get a quarterback and some playmakers that can be dynamic, Reich will open it up and he will get creative. But I also think that he knows that he's going to have to stick with his strengths. And if his strengths are to be a little bit more vanilla in terms of getting the ball to the guys that he needs to get it to, that's what he's going to do. He's not afraid to, to mix it up a little bit, but I don't know that it's necessarily what he goes to by nature. So ultimately it comes down to, do you trust your quarterback to run a creative offense? Because Steve Wilkes and Ben McAdoo, they didn't do that this year. They trusted Sam Darnold to take some shots downfield, but we talked about it a lot. They ran the football a ton because that's what the personnel dictated they needed to do in order to win. Frank Reich, you got to get a quarterback for him, according to Jake Query, in order to open up some of that creative style within his offensive scheme. And if you don't, then it's going to be, to borrow his word, vanilla, because they just don't have that personnel. And so hopefully that's what they decide to do is figure out the quarterback spot. Dan Graziano writes it on ESPN. Jeremy Fowler does the same. Jay Query just said it, and he doesn't cover Carolina. He covers Frank Reich. A lot of people want the Panthers to draft a signal caller or figure out that position. Once you do that, Wes, then you can start to feel comfortable about this offense opening up. And with any quarterback, coordinator, coach worth their salt, I mean, of course you're going to be able to be creative once you can trust the guy under center, once you can trust that you have the weapons to be able to carry out said plans, and once you have the offensive line that is going to be able to block uh, said plan. That's just the way it is right now in the NFL. You see a lot of uh, these new age play callers going into their bag, so to speak. So you would hope that the same thing will come here with the Panthers. But at the end of the day, coaches are still going to be football coaches in the sense that they're not going to get too out of pocket. Um, especially a guy like Frank Wright. He's going to do some things. But again, you have to have the guys. Like what he said at the beginning of that quote saying, well, if, if you have dynamic guys on the edge and you have a dynamic quarterback in a run game, well, yeah, of course you can get creative because you can afford to uh, at that point when you have all of the requisite pieces. So um, it's just going to be interesting to see coming into this first season because I think we're going to get a lot of conservative uh, with Frank Reich because especially if you have to use Sam Darnold as a bridge, if you're able to get him back, or even if you draft a rookie, I'm not sure that Frank Reich would want to start a rookie out of the gate day one unless he just comes in and is spectacular in the preseason and in practice. So I think in the first season, he may take a lot of flack because 
the personnel more than likely will dictate that he does have to be a bit more on the conservative side because either he's going to have a young quarterback that still needs time to grow or he's going to have a guy like Sam Darnold where you can't afford to let him get a little too loose at the helm as we've seen and we saw late in the season. Yeah, and and most people that are writing in through the text line are saying that Reich needs to call plays. So Big Cat Dan wrote in Frank Reich. 703 number said Frank Reich is a Super Bowl champion. You have 704 say Reich needs to call the plays. And I would say that's kind of why you drafted him. It or Excuse me, kind of why you hired him to be that head coach. And him being a CEO approach type of guy, that very much is still on the table. But also, so is the calling plays thing. Again, what makes me more comfortable with him calling plays is the fact that he has done it before. So this is not going to be some, okay, new situation, Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson, Mike Kafka, any of those other candidates that we talked about previously. If you gave them the job, then it would be a first-time situation where they're calling plays and they're going to be the CEO approach type of guy. And with that, it would have made a lot of sense too because the only thing we can go off of with them being a coach in the NFL is what they did as a play caller. And so if you took that very thing away that got them the job in the first place, that's where it really wouldn't make sense. But with Frank Reich, you at least have some experience there. And then he has called plays before. And so that would be, I think, the reason as to why most fans, most listeners do want him to be drawing it up every single series, every single drive that you're going to construct. That's why you want Frank Reich to be that guy. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments on the Garage Door Guru text line. Coming back from break, we'll be talking a little bit more about the Charlotte Hornets, Carolina Panthers, NFL playoffs. We'll give you a hodgepodge. We've got a lot still to cover here on Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. go folks winding down the show Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ you can follow us on Twitter Wes and Walker W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R hit that follow button and on the Garage Door Google text line you can call in and let your feelings be known 704-570-9610 alright as we come back, we're talking about the Charlotte Hornets. Got another victory yesterday over the Miami Heat. And I know a lot of fans are thinking, man, are we messing this thing up? I think I saw a tweet that said that the Hornets now have the fourth best odds to win Victor Wembanyama, Which is important. Very important. Okay. So are we starting to get frustrated, for one, about what's going on because we don't want them to screw this thing up? And... Also, do you guys out there in listener land, do you guys enjoy it when your team is bad just because of the the unknown, the ability to land that prospect that could change your fortunes? Is it fun, just the mystery of what's coming next? I know as a fan with my teams, I do always enjoy, uh, you don't want to be bad for too long, but when you are bad, you are excited about the young prospects that you can get in, what the future could look like, things of that nature, the building uh, of the team. So, Walker, I guess I will ask you as our requisite Hornets guy. You know, I was a Hornets guy as well, worked there, but you do the podcast day mm-hmm. in, day out, baby. You are in the trenches, okay, with Buzz City. That's right. Are you starting to get frustrated with these wins starting to rack up? No, I'm not. I, I wanted to say it's important because the top 
or I should say the bottom three teams in the NBA, they all have the same odds as the other in that category to get the number one overall pick. And of course, the Charlotte Hornets are fourth right now. So that's why it's important, just in case you don't know how the lottery rules work. This has been in place for a couple of seasons in an attempt to try to break tanking as much as possible, Mm -hmm. not completely fix it. You're not going to be able to do that, but just to control it a little bit more. So have the bottom three teams get the top three odds and the Charlotte Hornets are not there right now. I'm not worried about it yet because you do have this win against the heat. They have won four of their last six games. They are going to face the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. Now, yes, they destroyed Milwaukee the previous time that they played, even if it was on the road, but that was without Chris Middleton. I think he's back, if I'm not mistaken. I need to check up on their health status, but road against Milwaukee, on the road against Chicago, but then it's on the road against Detroit, then home at, or, uh, against Orlando, on the road against Washington. Like you, you could see a couple more wins coming their way, absolutely, and then have a pretty good last ten game record where they might go five hundred. Let's say you beat Chicago or Milwaukee, and then you get the win against Detroit, one of the few teams below you in the standings. That could make some sense. Orlando and Washington getting wins against those franchises would make some sense. It gets harder again against Boston and Denver, but then you're at home against Atlanta and San Antonio. Not yet. But, Wes, it could be here, right? The good news is, too, here's something that would be able to save them from this, if you want to consider it being saved. The trade deadline is 10 games or 10 days away. So how do the Charlotte Hornets operate? How does Mitch Kupchak operate? There's rumors about Jalen McDaniels, people interested in him. Now they're calling for a first-round pick, according to Matt Moore. Hardwood paroxysm on Twitter, if you want to follow him, that Mason Plumlee is worth a first-rounder. In the Charlotte Hornets' eyes. So we'll see how they operate at the deadline, but that's going to mean a lot. It will mean a lot, and they have some guys you're starting to see. The rumors we've been talking about it ad nauseum when you talk about Rosia Plumlee, uh, Kelly Oubre, especially Oubre and Mason. Those are the two that you are seeing a lot. They're saying some teams may wait on Jalen McDaniels and see what they can get in free agency uh, as far as acquiring him, but he's another guy. Uh, but this team right now, you do want to see them still keep themselves in a position to get Wemby. He is a generational prospect. In my opinion, I agree with a lot of the pundits. I've never seen anything like him. He has the potential to be the greatest prospect that we've ever seen, just as far as just from a pure skill, size, skills standpoint. And so I think it would behoove the Hornets to try to do everything in their power to get him because I don't think there's any trade you could create for oh. whatever team that gets the first pick for them to move out of. I mean, it would take it would take something that won't happen. It would take, all right, we'll give you Giannis. I mean, that's what it would take. And Giannis is probably the most untradeable asset out there. Right. I mean, you're just not doing it. Did you see what Wimby did this weekend, by the way? No, what did he do? 31 points. I mean, just a ridiculous game for Wimby. I mean, what, what he's doing at a high clip, just all of the, the three-point shot. I mean, the fact that he can hit off of one foot and he had that one game, what was it, just a couple weeks ago, where he had two three-pointers where he's just floating towards the basket from the three-point line and it's off one foot. It's it's ridiculous. And <laughs> I was watching him and watching some of those highlights this weekend. The guy is starting to put on some weight as we speak. I mean, he is not some Chet Holmgren who is shorter than Wimby. I feel like Wimby is starting to add a little bit of muscle mass. No, he is not Shaq out there, and I'm not trying to get it twisted. But the fact that you are 7'4 and you move like that, I don't feel like he's a punk down low. 
I feel like he battles. I feel like he's not soft. You see him go at it. Now he's not strong. He can't get leverage on guys, but he doesn't need to. Yeah, man. I. How could you not love what you see? I Get out of here with this. Oh, you never know what's going to happen with Wimby. Wimby. Yeah, that's true. Right. I still take him. Like, are you kidding me? Yes, you still draft them number one, and you get real excited. Uh, do you enjoy, though, when your team, do you enjoy the process of, of rebuilding? I'm glad, because we've talked about this a lot on Locked On Hornets. How do we feel? We've talked about our feelings about this franchise who's never been to the conference finals before. It's mm-hmm. been a bad history. It depends. This year is not one of them, to be honest with you, because you had higher expectations. You fire your coach in James Borrego because you want to get to the play-in. You had Miles Bridges, who was very close to an all-star appearance, and of course, he gets arrested for felony domestic violence, and LaMelo gets hurt a bunch of times. Now Kelly Oubre, who started to shift his philosophy in playing for the better, he gets hurt. He's not even back yet. Dennis Smith Jr., we can't even have a nice thing in Dennis Smith Jr., who's been struggling mightily offensively lately, but we can't even have what he was doing at the beginning of the season because he gets hurt. So it's hard to look at this season and find any positive. It really is. What, what the only thing you can focus on is at the very end of this year, having a shot at Victor Wembanyama. And then Scoot Henderson, I like him. We can get into the weeds of the NBA draft a little bit later on. But it's Wimby that provides meaning to this season. Other than that, I mean, what you just don't have much else to look to and say, okay, that's what I got excited about this year. Yeah, I think that you feel more invested as a fan. You feel more deeply rooted into your team when you come out of the other side of a rebuild. I just think you do. When you go through it and you go through the lean times, just like any relationship, when you go through the lean times and you come what out of it. What is a relationship? <laughs> and you come out of it, you know, the other side better for it. I think you just feel even more attached to your team. What about you, Fiddy? Do you enjoy when your teams are going through a rebuild? Um, as a lifelong Nick fan, yes, because they've been rebuilding since my Nick fandom came about. <laughs> In the wrong way every time, too. They don't. It's been the awful way that they've done that. What's really weird is Dallas is. They've never been bad enough to really go through a full blown rebuild where they you know they tear it down and rebuild it. Um, baseball. It's just so it's so weird because one year you could be competing for the World Series, the next year you know you're you're sellers at the trade deadline. I would love to go for you know, but, and as a Met fan, they've been rebuilding for most of my life anyway. So I don't I, I can't really answer that because like the one team that like you really see go through full rebuilds and in, in, like in the NFL, the Cowboys have never done it. When the Panthers did it, like in 2010, I was there for it because I believed in Jimmy Claus and I was like, dude, these growing pains. This two and fourteen season, where's this going to set us up three to four years down the road for success? We got that. It was just in the form of Cameron Jarrell Newton. Well, and the NBA I think is different than the NFL because I go to Philadelphia. They were rebuilding for a long time, but you saw the hope that they had once Joel Embiid came back. That was a little more brutal than it should have been because of the injuries that he had at the beginning of his career. But even Ben Simmons, he was awesome at first. I mean, he was great. People really loved what he brought. And then when Embiid and Simmons, you had a one-two punch that were young and you could see the horizon. That's fun to go through. Phoenix, not so much because they were a top five picking team every single draft. Right. And then you have uh, Dragon Bender, awful pick. Marquise Chris, awful pick, doesn't really work out. And so you go through some of those misses, but there is absolutely a way to have fun. Okay, see, you're, you're probably running out of patience with Oklahoma City, but you're starting to get to the positive trajectory now. 
you know, you, you've been rebuilding for quite some time, but having SGA become an all-star this year, awesome to see all NBA player, by the way, SGA has been playing at that level. You get Chet Holmgren when he comes back, he looks like he's going to be fun. Josh Giddy is a hit and they got criticized for that selection, but he's a hit right now. So OKC, you can have fun in these rebuilding situations, but with the Hornets, expectations were not for rebuild. And even so, this season, you've had too many injuries. It's hard to get on board with what's happened all year. Yeah, and then, okay, Sifton gets to the Panthers, then do you feel like that this team, they're in a rebuild of sorts, but how would you classify that? Because I feel like that this is a team that's maybe – on the top end, or I guess the back end, you could say, of a rebuild, I think that they have enough pieces there, like the cupboard's not bare, so I don't know if I could call it a full-on rebuild, but what about you? I, I think that a very well-executed offseason, maybe that's a little tough to say. I stopped myself from a different take. What I would say is that you're not a quarterback away, but you're a very well-executed offseason from contending for a playoff spot because you already just did that, especially in this division. If you were to talk about what you would normally consider a playoff contending team better than what you saw at the NFC South this year, then it probably would take two more offseasons to do that and say, okay, now they're going to be moving on up in the playoffs and we got a real shot at making some noise. But quarterback is something you have to address. And then... A couple of drafts where you hit on them, a couple of savvy free agency periods. I think now you're looking at Carolina really starting to cook with some gas. But now I, I think I think what you're seeing from this team is get the quarterback situated, get an offensive system implemented that you trust with everybody getting used to it. And I do think that you're starting to hit the ground running. So I, I don't mind the spot that the Panthers are in. I'd like to have a higher draft pick to get a better quarterback. But there are ways to work around this, and so I wouldn't call it a full-on rebuild. Yeah, the Panthers have 10 losses by 7 points or below. So when you look at stats like that, that can easily be turned around. And I think that's one of the biggest stats to where you, you look at teams that could be surprise teams for the next season. And so I think with the Panthers, they are a little bit closer. I wouldn't necessarily call them a full-on rebuild. They do need a quarterback, and they do need to add a couple of pieces. But they are, are a team that could quickly flip. But I just think it's interesting to see uh, what people feel about when their teams go through it. What do you have over there on the text line? Are some of the fans responding to that? Or Well, yeah, so, so Spence wrote in that Philly drafted Markel Fultz instead of Jason Tatum, not necessarily you know going through exciting times. But I think that's the point. You, you don't have to be perfect in a rebuild. Right. And you could still come out in a better situation on the other side. And you might consider them tanking as – you know, this extreme lack of success because no, it has not built themselves into a champion yet. But the fact that you drafted Ben Simmons and you have Joel Embiid, it did put you in a situation, especially with all the other draft picks to get to a point where you're contending for a title this year. I mean, without Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, then you're not talking about James Harden pairing him, of course, with Embiid and then having the ancillary selections around you where you build an attractive environment for free agents to come aboard and be the right role players. So that's what Philadelphia has in place right now. Um, but Carolina, they, they still got a little bit of ways to go. And Charlotte, they, they're they going to begin a rebuild. We'll find out kind of in 10 days, right? Like it's, it's going to be interesting because you could talk about a massive shift in the direction for Charlotte in just 10 days when the trade deadline hits February 9th. And they could trade Mason Plumlee. Let's see if they can get a first rounder for him. I don't think so, but let's see. Terry Rozier, how much is his contract valued or devalued with the fact that you have him on the books for four more seasons? 
Kelly Oubre. Is anybody willing to give up some important assets for a guy that is going to be a rental? And even then, he's not even all that great. Charlotte, it, it's going to be tough, but we'll see what Mitch Kupchak decides to do. Who do you think they get the most out of out of those guys? Because if I had to say, I would think that Terry could potentially fetch the most because I think that contenders are going to want him. And I think some of those teams that have those low first-round picks, they won't feel as bad giving those away. And I think with the way Terry's just been uh, kind of on a tear, for lack of a better term, oh, lately. No, that's a fine term. Us, yeah, playing. It. Yeah, he's been playing really well <laughs> lately and more efficient, uh, to be more exact. So I think that he will probably fetch the most. And I think a contending team that may feel like that he could be a a great piece for them, maybe not the piece, but a great piece to help propel them, will be more inclined to let go. Uh, of a first-round pick. Yeah, if you're just talking about what are you going to get in return that is the most, Terry Rozier is the answer. If you're talking about what is the closest value to being matched for what they are in return, if that makes sense, I think I think Mason Plumley. The fact that we're even having a conversation, and it's not ridiculous, that Mason Plumley could call for a first-round pick in return, that's it's hilarious, given it where we were a year ago. Because Mason I mean, even now... It's it's honestly it's it's hard to fathom that that would actually still take place, and it's not against Mason who has been absolutely balling this past month. But Mason is going to be on a rental. He he is not on the books for seasons after that, which might make him more attractive. But you're not going to get rid of. I mean, we're, it's obviously going to be a protected first round pick. So let's call it I don't know. Let's call it like top twenty protected. If you get that in return, that's going to be a hundred and. 50% on the dollar that you get in return because as much as Mason has been good, he's, he's 32 years old. You're not going to hold on to him long-term. If you do hold on to him, he could go right back down to what he was last year. That's the risk that you have. And you're talking about teams that are trading for Mason Plumley that aren't going to start him. I mean, he's going to be a high end backup. So if you get that in return, I think you could get the most um, value as far as what Mason Plumley brings you on a night in night out basis. But with Terry, you could still get, 75 cents on the dollar and it would still be more than a top 20 first round pick if that makes sense what do you think we would get for fitty on the trade market oh man it's a he's such a polarizing character i mean there might be a team that would be willing to trade for first rounders like franchise qb style or they might just be willing to trade a working copier i'm not sure but it's one <laughs> of the two there is no in the middle All it's right. so polarizing for fitty Okay, well, Fiddy, uh, let's get your trade value up and give us a flash, man. Show them what you can do. I appreciate that, Wes. Um, something we've talked about off the air during break today that I want to bring on to the air. Uh, former Tennessee quarterback Kendon Hooker, he is off crutches as he continues to rehab from that ACL injury and is believed that he will be ready for the start of training camp for the 2023 NFL season. With that latest update on Hendon Hooker, how will that impact his pending draft status, guys? Wes, you guaranteed he'd be drafted in the first round. Yeah, right? I think so. I know how these processes go. And, I mean, you know these quarterback-hungry teams. Hendon Hooker was a guy regarded as a high first-round pick before his season came to an end with that injury. If he shows that he's functional and all his medicals come back, that he's going to be ready for training camp, I have no question in my mind 
that there will at least be a team that will trade back into the first round to keep him from being one of the top picks of the second round to snag him up. We see guys shoot up the draft boards constantly. I don't know if there's going to be enough time have elapsed between his injury and the combine and some of these workouts that would allow him to shoot up like that. But he's also not this crazy athlete anyway. I mean, he's a good one, right? I like that he does have some mobility, but this is someone that works from the pocket. And so when you're talking about how smart he is, that game against Alabama, I thought the pocket presence was out of this world. I thought he did an excellent job stepping up, avoiding pressure, having a nice internal clock. Love all of that with Hendon Hooker. On the flip side, you probably should if you're a 25-year-old in college, and that's what he is. I do think that the age matters at least a little bit. I do think he'll probably, with, with, with a nice prognosis, maybe a little bit faster rehabilitation time, I do think that'll probably help him. After back-to-back years of not winning the national title, and this year they missed a the playoff altogether, Nick Saban you know, overhauling that Alabama staff. A guy he is looking to bring in to be his new defensive coordinator is former Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt. But that in, that NCAA investigation into Pruitt while he was at Tennessee could stand in the way of uh, Nick Saban finding his next defensive mastermind there in Tuscaloosa. Well, I mean, Nick Saban... He's as well-connected as anybody. He can bring on whoever he wants. If he comes calling, people are going to come. He re- rehabilitates coaches and makes them attractive again to other schools. So if he can't get through it, I'm sure he'll be able to find somebody to fill that role. What if he just calls Nick Saban up and asks, or if he calls Bill Belichick and asks Bill to send him Matt Patricia to coach his defense since, he, since Bill O'Brien is now back in uh, Foxborough? There's a trade worthwhile, having Bill O'Brien go to Foxborough and then having Matt Patricia come back down, although... I can't imagine those two guys getting along. I don't know that. Well, folks, we're on the home stretch. When we come back, we're going to drive this thing in the garage and park it. This is the Wesson Walker (laughs) Show on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. segment for Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Kyle Bailey going to be coming at you in just a little bit. 704-570-9610. Get your text in to the uh, to the final photo finish of the text line. We can go to what's on tap tonight. What's on tap in the ACC basketball schedule. You have Virginia and Syracuse going at it. So we do have something not necessarily local, but something local because you don't have any Hornets game. Of course, you don't have any Panthers game. We did look at the NHL schedule. No Carolina Hurricanes action tonight. <laughs> yep. So we have exhausted all of our local angles, and we cannot find anything except within the ACC. And Virginia-Syracuse, I think that's close enough proximity for me to pr- uh, point that one out, right? Yeah, you got that one. And, and I'm sure Fiddy would be locked into some of these college basketball games. Baylor and Texas. Tonight. You know it. Uh, Iowa State and Texas Tech. This is, I mean, this is the time once you get to Super Bowl the week before. Mm-hmm. Get your shows in, man. Start going back. Find some shows to binge. Catch oh, you're saying for him stuff. to watch finally to go. You, and you want both of us to watch that one show. I forget. Last it. chance you, man. Last I, chance I just you. don't understand how, how you guys. How can you forget when he tells us every day? <laughs> so, I don't tell you every day, but I just don't understand how you guys are sports guys and haven't delved into that. 
Fiddy and I aren't ending on a good note here at the end yeah. of the show because uh-huh. I feel like it's been pretty decent. You know, <laughs> I even commended him about the job that he did during the break. Like, and all he wants to do is all I ask, just a question. I just put it out there in the last segment. I say, what's on tap? Man, what is on tap today? I don't know. That's your job. I was running Charlotte Sports today. Should be lucky that I did get everything else in here. Yeah. And then, of course, you gas it up. And then you say, what? He's not appreciate your job. No. He's not. He should be happy that I've done all that I did. And all I said was, what's on tap? Man, I need to look at what's on tap. Now here he is talking about, how do you not know Last Chance You? He tells us every day. I mean, fitty, man. And then then this is what's going to happen, though. This is what happens, right? This is where I start to lose with my producer, is the fact that he comes out here all the time and says, see, I don't know what's wrong with us. Like, I don't know why you get so mad. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then I respond to the foolishness that he brings, you can admit, all the time. Oh, yeah. And I respond with sarcasm. He himself likes to dabble in sarcasm. He says, see, I don't get it. I don't know why you bring the sarcasm like that. Mm. And I think that is the genius. Yes, the genius in Fiddy and bothering people. It's the lack of self-awareness, which we both have talked about being 10 out of 10. Yeah, I can agree with that, man. So like I said, just find (laughs) some shows. Uh, And I know tonight on tap for me would definitely be uh, Monday Night Raw. Are you trying to get us off the subject? No, 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 I'm Uh not. I'm just saying, just adding just giving more things to be on tap. Uh, Monday Night Raw tonight is going to be lit because the bloodline uh, started to break up on Saturday at the Royal Rumble. So uh and what's the bloodline? I don't know what that is. Well either. the bloodline is the best probably storyline that they've had, in my opinion, since the Attitude Era. It is Roman Reigns and his clique of family members and Sami Zayn that have been terrorizing the WWE for the last couple of years. Uh, Roman Reigns has been the champion <laughs> for the last couple of years and then so have his cousins the Usos been the tag team champions uh for quite some time and so there's starting to be fractures in the faction. So they have names for storylines that are that appear. I mean, how many storylines do you get per wrestling season? Well, WWE is big storylines. Pretty much everything they either work into a storyline or they already have it going on. The Bloodline has been a storyline for quite some time now. And then Saturday, uh, like I'm legit like in my house, Owen and I, <laughs> because I had to go back and rewatch it. So there were things that were mm-hmm. kind of lending itself to a fracture coming in the group. And then Saturday night, it came to a head with Sami Zayn hitting Roman Reigns with a chair in the back to which he took a vicious beating. And then Jay Uso walking uh-huh. off and proclaiming that he is no longer a part of the bloodline. That's a hell of it a is, promo. Get this man. Litty. Please give this man a mic. Well, hopefully we'll have Brian Breaker in here Friday. I, I, okay. I asked about it. You know, they asked us about maybe having him in. I hope that we I knew that. Speaking of in. speaking of responsibilities being divvied up, I know that one was not mine. That one's all <laughs> you because I wouldn't even yeah, know what to I'm say. I'm hoping. I, I checked on it this morning. I hope we do, man. I had Brian Breaker's dad, uh-huh. Scott Steiner's action figure, so I would love to have him in the studio. I know nothing about it. Let's go to the text line real quickly. <laughs> Some photo finishes coming in. 704 said, Attitude Era was by far the best era of oh, WWE. Man. It was uh, great. Chips Tiki Hut said, Wes, that's straight fizzle talking about wrestling. Well, uh, trophy ho- a trophy husband did have a, a, just a random picture of his Super Bowl snacks photo shoot walking tacos. Those things do look delicious. And finally, 619 number wrote in. Fitty is on ta- uh, day two 
of a hangover. Please give him a break after he celebrated <laughs> Willie P's wedding this weekend. Is that accurate? Can you confirm or deny those allegations? I mean, I'm no longer hungover, but you saw me yesterday when you came in to do Hornets post game. Oh, I sure did. And you were you were like, "What's up, buddy?" And I don't know what I was doing, but undoubtedly my response was one that led you to know that I was still feeling the effects of partying on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, yesterday yesterday morning, my drive in here was pretty rough. Oh, I bet it was. Because, and look, as somebody that has had those same problems before. And I have as well. I could see all the telltale signs. So this guy, as soon as I walk in, he's leaned all the way on parallel with the table. With all of the equipment on it, he's parallel. He's got his head resting on his hand. He looks at me with... Fitty has squinty eyes. Like we've talked about that before. Right. I guess Nick Wilson called him squints too. Man, these things were closed yesterday. <laughs> and the telltale for real sign was the fact that he had gravel in his throat for sure. Like it was, he was still feeling the mm. effects of all the alcohol and everything that he consumed this weekend and his voice. It was not as pure as it usually is when you hear him rant about it. Isn't something. it the best though when you have a hangover, you come out of it? It's like the best feeling. Like, I don't have I don't have that euphoric. It's usually just a long, slow, painful process. I'm just saying when you come out of it and you finally feel good again. Well, I just try to sleep it off as much as I can. So I guess when I wake up and I don't have it, yes, it's great. Yeah. But I but you know what I'm saying? It's it's not one of these. Oh, okay, I'm over it now. It's great. It's it's a suffering process. Oh, yeah. and that's happened, of course, with age. The delayed ones are the worst. When you wake up feeling good, that's all I and get then it now. Gets worse. That's yeah. all I get. It's always delayed. <laughs> I mean, worse. it's it's when I wake up, I'll still have it, and then by you know twelve, it's like goodness gracious, this thing won't go, it's, and it gets way worse. And then by the time it's the afternoon, you feel awful. The yeah. delayed hangovers are awful. Yeah, man, they're, they're absolute worst. All right, let's go to what happened on this day in sports history, real quickly. Fitty, thank you so much for still finding the time to do your day in sports history. Please tell the people what you find out. Uh, on this day, Walkman, in 1971, UCLA started its 88-game winning streak with a 74-61 win over UC Santa Barbara. And then on this day in 1994, in the Georgia Dome, the Dallas Cowboys behind MVP, the best running back of all time, Emmett Smith and safety James Washington, they beat the Buffalo Bills 30-13 for their second straight NFL title while giving the Bills their fourth straight loss in the Super Bowl. All right, Barry Sanders, I think, would have probably I had mean, the Dallas Cowboys winning four straight Super Bowls. Well, how many losses could you take in a Super Bowl your team? I mean, that would have One. to be the most. <laughs> I'd be done. The most gut-wrenching thing ever when you lose four in a row. Well, Fiddy went through it with Mets World Series losses. I mean, how, how awful was going through that with the Mets losing a World Series? It was such a surprising run. And, like, back then, my Met fandom wasn't where it is now. Like, I wasn't a 162-er. Like, I turned in, like, in August, September. So, I just I just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I, you know, if they were to make the World Series and lose, I'd be distraught. I mean, if, if Carolina loses two championships in a row. When yeah, I'm talking avenging, four in a row. Yeah, four. No, yeah, it's Because it's like the first one, it. you're excited, you lose. You feel like, all right, we'll be back next year. Uh-huh. Get that next year, you're like, all right, this is our year. Then you lose it. You get that game, you're like, all right, third it's time is the charm. We're going to win it. And then the fourth time, I guess you just like, man, whatever. whatever. As long as we can... Hopefully. Let's hope for the best. Mm -hmm. You're just so used to it. It's brutal. I hope I never have to go through it. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here. Kyle Bailey Show coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.